0: Welcome to the Bronx Year Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callinan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 5pm on Monday, the 14th of September just before we get into what's on today's show if you haven't yet make sure you go check out our last episode we had nba player ryan Brockoff on it was a great episode so yeah go check that one out we are on all the podcast apps even though that episode came out a bit late on spotify uh, but yeah we are on all podcast apps if you're listening on itunes or apple podcasts don't forget to Give us a review or a five star rating. It's greatly appreciated and helps the show. And if you're on social media, go check us out on Bronx Cheer B ball on Twitter or the Bronx Cheer Basketball on Facebook or Instagram. On today's show, we recap all the happenings of the NBA of the last couple of weeks since we last spoke. That includes the Toronto and Boston series the briefly the Houston Lakers series and also the Clippers and Denver series that's actually still going and we preview the upcoming conference finals and we're going to talk about Giannis and his future with the Bucs. It's going to be a great show. It's time for tip-off. When he's you, he's Ladies and gentlemen,
1: much to the light of the Garden Drive. Martin lost the basketball. Going to the basket, that's going to give Westbrook an easy bet. Oh, oh, no! He missed it. Here's Curry off the steal here.
0: And, oh, look out! Curry And now shoots for three. That could be a slip. I don't like to hear the fans yeah, cheering. I'm, I'm surprised by that in... And... And the players are telling him not to be doing that. Once again, welcome to the Bronx Year Basketball Show. I'm joined by, I'm sick of saying this, but a very
1: happy man, JL. How are you, mate? You know the answer to that, Nath. Uh, (laughs) With the Celtics winning game seven, I am absolutely over the moon at the moment. It's just nearly my
0: worst nightmare about to come true. Uh, it looks like it might end up being the Lakers against, I would say the Celtics in the finals, and I just can't think of anything worse. But anyway, on to more positive news. We'll get to all these <laughs> all these nightmare teams uh, later on. I'm now an uncle. How good is that? Since we last spoke, congratulations, mate. Thank you. My sister had a baby. Her name it's a it's a girl. Uh, her name is Ali, and. Yeah, no, it happened, so we released last Tuesday the uh, Ryan Brockoff pod, and I knew it was coming, but obviously I didn't post it on the page, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not really basketball related, um, so yeah, the happy news for me and all our fans that Nafe is now an uncle, Ali is so cute, she was born at
1: 8.05 last Tuesday, and she's... Very small, what were you more excited for the the rowdy episode or or Ali being born uh it was
0: well, the good thing was we recorded the rowdy episode on on Monday, so the Tuesday it was two different days, but me, my family, we just had a an awesome week last week, and um yeah just just so happy so. Yeah, I can't choose. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, talking about Rowdy, what an episode that was last week! If you haven't heard it yet, go check it out. Two hundred and twenty listens, JL, of that Rowdy episode in the space of a week—we've hit the big time!
1: Phenomenal, phenomenal numbers. No wonder the NBA ratings are down because they're all they're all tuning into us instead. Take
0: forty minutes out of your week and go listen to us talk to NBA player Ryan Brockoff in the last episode. Moving on, since we last spoke, Billy Donovan did not accept a two year offer to extend with OKC. He is now, I guess, a free agent, you may call him. So OKC are uh, coachless. And also just today, Mike Dantoni and his wife. Did you see that announcement? It was it was his him and his wife announced yeah. it was, was the text. Uh, but Sticking they'll be together. moving on.
1: Yeah, moving on to their to their next chapter. So he's quite old, Mike Dantoni. Um I mean, he doesn't, yes. he's he's almost seven years old. I don't want to say what, what number he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, he's 69 years old and he doesn't look, he looks very good, but I think he's getting to that point now where if he's going to coach, he wants it to be uh, meaningful and obviously, Coaching Houston hasn't gone to plan. So we'll see what happens with that. And it was mentioned by Woj that he will be considered as one of
0: the candidates for the Sixers. But we're not talking about the Sixers around here anymore. The Sixers are negative energy. We'll talk about the Sixers once all the positive energy of real basketball is off our screens. So we'll be waiting a while for that. Yeah. Uh, so also, Daniel House, oh, who God. has spells his name with a U, I believe Daniel Mm -hmm. house jr was kicked out of the bubble was the first one to be kicked out of the bubble really uh, for having a guest in his room. Um, I'm not sure if it was confirmed that
1: it was a female. It was a, by all accounts, it was a female COVID-19 officer who was in his room for multiple hours. So (laughs) uh, I think we can all, we all know exactly what's going on there. Going back to our first episode back
0: since the bubble came about i was claiming that surely there's a an erotic entertainment setup in the bubble for the players but maybe not oh maybe yes i still reckon yes um, you'll, you'll
1: die on this one
0: <laughs> i'll not die on it man <laughs> i'll die um anyway also onto to some awards mantras harrell won sixth man of the year uh dennis Schroeder came second lou will came third a lot of people thought maybe Schroeder deserved especially with the amazing year he and the surprising thunder had
1: and also the nba all defensive teams were announced jail they were um obviously it's always a always a big one with 10 players making it and a lot of players feeling like uh they've been snubbed um but overall pretty good pretty good lineup this year from my opinion so at center we had
0: rudy gobert who it's just too hard to take him out. He just is such a presence in the paint. Fourth time in the defensive first team. So he's got that under wrap yeah. pretty much year in, year out. That's it. And the two forwards uh, alongside him, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis, defensive force there. And Marcus Smart, who I'm sure you're you're not going to argue with that selection. Never. <laughs> And uh, Ben Simmons, who I will definitely not argue with that selection. I thought he deserved to maybe be a bit higher in the Defensive Player of the Year voting. But anyway, so on to the second team. Brooke Lopez at centre, Kawhi at forward, Bam Adebayo forward, Eric Bledsoe guard, and Patrick Beverly guard. But let's get into the inevitable. There was a series that went to seven. It was awesome. These two teams in the first round swept their opponents and then met each other for the first time in nba playoffs history boston and toronto i i in episode eight i believe i picked toronto to win but then i said that if it goes to seven boston will win so i'll
1: put my flag in that one uh you what did you say jail i said celtics in seven and i specifically stated that it'll be the most entertaining series of the entire playoffs and I think so far I'm right yeah it it pretty much
0: was I couldn't believe how good that game six was it went to double overtime obviously Toronto elimination game for them they got up by three points in the end. There was eight players in that game that had 50 minutes plus played, and that was a new record, the previous record being six. What did you think of that game six
1: and and the refereeing, JL? Oh, (laughs) you already know what I think. I've sent some very, very angry uh, messages to Napo for the last few days. Um, Gee, don't even get me started. That was just some of the worst refereeing I've seen in a long time. (laughs) And thank you. God, Boston won Game 7 because I probably would have given up on the sport if they didn't. Talking about the players and stuff like
0: that, I mean, you had the coach of the year, Nick Nurse, who obviously was the champion last year. and Standing on the who, court. <laughs> standing on the court, yes. Yeah, so there's that one from Game 6. And then also on the other side, who we both respect as the best coach in the NBA, Brad Stevens. It was awesome coaching. It was a, a tight contest, but... It was it was obvious. I, I don't know if I did say this, but I, f- I feel like my my brain did at least, that the star power of Boston was going to be... That's why I said in Game 7, because Game 7's you need bucket getters. And Boston have three bucket getters, especially to Tatum and Kemba. Toronto, all series. Siakam and, and Van Vliet. Oh, Van Fleet, when he's missing, he's one of those guys, he doesn't look like an NBA player. Mm. And and Siakam, as you and I have discussed, the the predictable spin
1: move that he always dives to, yeah, just... Did you see that Siakam finished a series of the worst three-point percentage of all time for like a minimum of 30 attempts or something for a series? Oh, that's bad. So, yeah, like you said, Van Fleet couldn't get it going, but Siakam was just... I mean, no, it's, it's difficult for him because he's the number one option now that Kawhi's gone, but he just doesn't have any go-to moves other than that spin move and he doesn't have a reliable jump shot. So it was just, I mean, I loved watching it, but for probably anyone else, it would have been just painful to watch him put up those bricks after bricks. And it with an ageing Kyle Lowry and with
0: the, the, the pace and the, the sort of trajectory that the Raptors are supposed to be on especially after last year the way Siakam looked Siakam is supposed to be the main guy moving forward and I know he's still early in his career how but it it made it look like Lowry was undoubtedly the main guy basically because of how bad uh, Van Vliet and, and Siakam were and especially in game six, that, that shot that Lowry hit and just in general, Lowry was
1: was the guy that was getting it done, keeping them in the series. I think people get confused between first option and best player. And, yeah, everyone's sort of been like, oh, you know, Siakam's got to be, you know, he's the best player, he's got to do more. But no, Lowry always has been their best player this, this season. It's just that the offense goes through Siakam. But, geez, Lowry stepped up. And I, I hate this player more than... Probably more more than anyone else in the league. I just can't stand him. More than Harrison Barnes? Oh, no. (laughs) But look, the way Kyle Lowry played was just credit to him. He didn't give up. Um, First of all, that pass in game three that we've already spoken about was just on point. Um, Then the way he played in game six, especially when no one could buy a basket and he's just putting them on his back, taking charges down the other end, he was exceptional. So before we get on to
0: predictions and stuff like that, let's go sort of the middle ground. Let's stop talking about the the series. I was gonna mention Kemba, but we'll leave Kemba out. They did throw a box and one on him, so we'll we'll give him an excuse to have a bit of a, a rough series. Gimme just gimme your just let it out your Boston happiness and who you want to talk about on the on the <laughs> Toronto series? What you're exciting? What you're excited about going into you know future rounds? Basically,
1: round or rounds. Well, we've we've mentioned so many times that Brad Stevens is arguably the best coach in the league. Definitely top three for mine. Um, and I thought the way he took Ennis Canner out of the lineup and played Robert Williams was just exceptional for the you know uh, athletic big man sort of threw Toronto out of the game a little bit. Um, Kemba, like you mentioned, didn't have the series he would have liked, but that doesn't worry me too much going forward. Um, Toronto focused their entire defense on slowing him down and making the rest of the guys beat us, so well, beat the Raptors. So, I think Kemba will be able to bounce back. Um, Jason Tatum, I've said this over and over. I don't know how he <laughs> still gets gets better. Like through the season, if he was, I think he averaged about two point eight assists or something like that, and he's been, you know, having having nights now where he's putting up 27 points, but also dishing out six, seven, eight assists. So he just gets better and better. And then my last point was that I just absolutely love Jalen Brown's confidence. He had two or three games there where he just shot so poorly. Um, There was one game, especially I think it was game five game four, whatever it was um, where he was like two for 11 or something like that. And then ended up hitting two big shots down, down the stretch. So uh, his mentality to keep going, I think, is so important for Boston. So, looking forward to a big series against Miami starting on Wednesday. It's going to be great to keep watching Boston push
0: on and and do well in the postseason. They so their <laughs> opponent their, their opponents come out of the Miami and Milwaukee series. The Miami Heat won that series pretty easily and throw us back to a couple episodes ago and. I know I said this last time we spoke prior to Rowdy, but I was conservative because I've made some bad predictions and I said, you know, Giannis will be the key, Milwaukee will get it done. But what I wanted to say, you know, I said this last time, what I wanted to say was... Miami can seriously give them trouble because of the way that the Bucks are and Giannis is. And let me get into it now that the series is done. Vindication is one of <laughs> my favorite things. I nearly, I nearly titled this episode Vindication, but I didn't. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've been saying it for ages. Off the pot. <laughs> he is overrated. Don't give me this crap like he was saying all series post-game. Or why don't you play more minutes, Giannis? And then he said, oh, I'm just following the coach's instructions. It is your job, Giannis. Tell the coach, play me more minutes. It Do not be putting that on anyone else when you're this... Uh, MVP, you know, I don't know if you saw this season when they played the Lakers in Milwaukee and then he, I think he might've hit a three. It's when he hit five and threes. And he, he put on the crown. He put the crown on he, and he said something like, I it's, I run this shit now, something like that. Oh, he's not even top four in my book. He's not even better than uh, LeBron, KD, Kawhi and I would even put, AD and maybe Embiid over him. Giannis Curry, is... Curry, that pro- oh, Those are tough. We won't get into all that, but those are tough. But I'd probably put him in those conversations, the Luca and Curry. And I'm loving it because of the vindication and the fact that even though Philly is on the worst, uh, whatever, sort of, this is the worst scenario that could have gone down the whole... We let Jimmy go to try and get our Horford and beat the Bucks, and then Jimmy, Jimmy goes to Miami. <laughs> we get swept in the first round and then Jimmy destroys the Bucks in Miami. So even though I'm salty about all that and, and it's all shit, it's, it's just great for me to watch Giannis play out what I
1: knew he would. He's not that good. He's, he's where I'm landing at. Yeah, well... I mean, we've seen it over and over again with someone like Harden where playoff performance just, play, if you know, without success in the playoffs, people can start to overlook your regular season success. And we're getting to the point now where it's like, hmm, we've got a big enough sample size. Maybe this player, while they're good, they're easily found out. Um, so what happens from here with Giannis? I mean, who knows his future in general, but for him to be the best player possible, he needs to work on that jump shot. We've spoken about this before, and um, he's struggling to hit his free throws. He can't shoot from outside. He's just trying to bully himself inside, get to the basket. And when that's your only game plan, it's so simple for teams to just build that wall. And you, be, I, I thought the Bucs would get away with this series, um, and you were the one that kept saying to me, no, nah, Miami's defense will will come through. But you were right. Once when you're when you're one dimensional and you're a one trick pony, it's so simple for teams to shut something like that down. But game one, four of
0: twelve. Game two, nice. Well, oh, nice for him. Nine of thirteen. And game three, seven of twelve. Not good enough for their game plan. Basically, if he's going to get stopped one way or another, one of those ways being getting fouled, he needs to punish them at the free th- free throw line and he just doesn't it's easy it's easy to take him out if you have a smart coach and Spolstra is a smart coach full credit to Eric Spolstra in the Miami defense
1: there because they shut the bucks down
0: and I can keep going on and on and on. We should maybe talk about Miami, but Miami just just keep proving me wrong in terms of I really didn't think they'd go so far. They're, they're awesome shooters, and they're just so nimble, so active on offense. Instead of just waiting for a, a ball screen or, or something like that or a post-up when, when the possession's dead, which happens in the playoffs quite often, they they keep moving and bam out of bio as that nucleus in the middle um yeah keep moving and then someone like Tyler Hero or his bench count no who's the counterpart uh, duncan, duncan robinson, robinson. or Ty- yeah those two just keep moving uh, off uh screens off the ball as as you've mentioned and they punish the box jimmy was great but it's more so about the collective with that team and It's going to be interesting to see how they go. We'll talk about how they might go in a second against the Celtics. But let's talk about what it looks like now. This is going to be a very hot discussion postseason. Giannis Antetokounmpo in a very quiet offseason with free agents. He will be offered by the Bucks a Supermax extension. They couldn't offer it to him prior to this offseason, now is the earliest time they can offer it and just like anthony davis last year i think it was he will say yes or no he will sign it or he'll say i'm not going to sign it my interest is in my interest is to leave or he gives himself one more year to decide, but he takes money off the table that's the paul george initial way with okc that that's what happened
1: yeah, yeah i believe so yeah,
0: he they convinced him to sort of stay. Toronto couldn't do that with Kawhi. It's not the exact same circumstances, but it's similar. And they they'll have to if he doesn't sign the extension, they Milwaukee will either have to trade him if they think he's gonna walk out for free and they want something, or they'll try and convince him all season to to stay and then he might walk out at the end of next season. He has mentioned various times that he wants to stay at Milwaukee. I think even after game 5 he said a bit of a quote about that. He's mentioned also just some sneaky comments that hint at and maybe being elsewhere. He met the other day with the Bucks ownership
1: to discuss their future. I've got no idea yet all season always he staying. Um the last few weeks Sort of getting to the point where now where it's like actually maybe not. Um So for for the sake of the NBA I hope he does stay because if he leaves the small like small market teams just have nothing. They're already battling so hard. Um yeah. so look if he fingers crossed he stays if not I hope Milwaukee deal in because as a small market team the only ways you're ever gonna win a championship because you're not gonna be able to sign free agents is that you Luck out on drafting an absolute superstar, make a trade that works in your favor, and then sign some role players because you're never going to get that, you know that that second person to you know join your team. And if he doesn't attend on saying, you may as well get everything back you can from it and try and try and have success through the draft or find a young player because for them to luck out on the fifteenth pick and get Giannis won't happen again.
0: I, you, let's just put it out there. Like, if you had to pick, in terms of the trade, I, I don't know. I've got this feeling. If he's going, I reckon he's going to end up at Golden State. I can see it. He's going to end up in Golden State, trade or free agent. They're, they have this beautiful position for him with Steph and Klay surrounding him. They've got the number two pick in the upcoming draft to trade. They've got Andrew Wiggins to trade. Even Yeah, and even if it's free agent, he can... You know, in his humble mind, he can he can say that it's not necessarily going to the Lakers or the Clippers, but it is going to a contender that he can help complete. One year's time from now, next September, I reckon he's either going to be a Milwaukee Buck or a Golden State Warrior, but there is other things on the table. I know you love this conversation.
1: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I love it. I love speculation. <laughs> now, who knows, Who knows what's going to happen, but... It's going to be a fun one to you know be refreshing Twitter every single night for a long time. Moving
0: on to the West. The Lakers, Gentleman's Sweep of the Rockets,
1: 4-1. What did you think of this one, JL? A series like this shouldn't have that many storylines, but for some reason <laughs> it did. Like, First of all, what are the Lakers doing in Game 1s at the moment? It genuinely feels like they're just taking it easy and just looking at what the other team's doing, but all right, we've got... Six more games to beat them here. No worries at all. Yeah. Um, so game one was beautiful for the hot takes. Houston might actually do this. Who would have thought small ball was the way of the future. And then the Lakers shut that down very quickly. Um, but other than that, I didn't think the Lakers... Actually, no, I think the Lakers played very well, but I didn't think LeBron and AD did anything extraordinary. They just played exactly how you'd expect. But I was so impressed with the Lakers role players. Um Rondo, just off Rondo's back. He was awful in game one, but just turned, turned the narrative completely. Danny Green seems to have found his stroke again. And Alex Caruso, the, the man that's been memed all year, he's <laughs> just genuinely providing good minutes on a very, very, well, just an exceptional playoff team. So credit to the Lakers coaching staff and also those players. And I think that's going to be the difference going forward is that there's no defensive liabilities on this Lakers team. And I think that can take them all the way here.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty bland series. As you said, it's just sort of went to plan and it feels like it even went to Harden's plan. Um, as you said, LeBron, AD, awesome. And once the shooters start heating, it's over basically for them. And I mentioned before this series started, how nice would it be if we get awesome series from LeBron, AD, Westbrook and Harden. And of course we didn't get it. And I wishful thinking. Yeah. I asked you, where does James Harden go in playoff time? We talked about this last, last time Westbrook, I'll get to him, but James Harden, I know he gets doubled when he crosses half court or he did with this series, but that's not, an excuse for me. There's players that work around that again force the coach to draw up sort of uh schemes, offensive schemes, where Harden can basically
1: get away from the double or the the ball gets swung around. But once again it's just like on paper he's had an excellent se- uh, excellent series. He averaged twenty nine point four, almost five rebounds, seven assists, um shooting the three ball at thirty seven percent and or thirty eight percent really and shooting 50% from the field in total. That's an incredible stat line for every other player player. in the league. Yeah, Yeah. Except what it's, like you said, it's when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. If you go back to 2012, when he was with the OKC Thunder and he won six man of the year, he was playing with two ball dominant players in Durant and Westbrook. And he was exceptional. And in the upper tier in the whole league, in moving without the ball, uh, backdoor cuts, Um, even setting backdoor screens and flaring out for threes. He was without a doubt one of the best players in the league at that. And now he brings the ball up half court and they throw the double on him. And the reason they do that is because as soon as he passes the ball out of his hands, he stands at half court and does nothing. And then it's a four Mm. on four without an MVP. The Lakers are going to win that matchup every single day of the week. So (laughs) as much as he's asking for the second piece, why <laughs> like I'm la- you know why I'm laughing I know, it's because just, why is he just not doing it himself why is he not putting in the work the second piece can be you moving without the ball James Harden
0: you know if it's your first time listening you may or may not know that I hate Westbrook and I'm laughing because what a beautiful transition that is into my Westbrook rant how you just said when Harden just lets someone stay with him and lock him up there's no MVP. It's four and four. Funny thing <laughs> is, they do have a former MVP former. alongside, alongside him on the floor in uh, Russell Westbrook. And I've got in the notes here: Westbrook is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to say this season, it was nice to see him have the license, you know, in Houston to shoot his mid range, and that's where he's comfortable. But they forced him, smart coaches, smart defensive schemes, whatever. Hey, Westbrook, here, take the three. And he takes it. Don't take it. <laughs> Find another way. Swing it around. Screen, ball screen, all this, something else. D- dive to the basket. So athletic, Westbrook. Don't be stupid. He's so stupid. <laughs> 26% uh,
1: from three for the series.
0: Game four, when he was, that time when he was, he was, I think he scored some sort of cool bucket and then he was puffing out his chest and yelling like, you know, I'm the best or whatever. Or or, what are you talking about? Towards the um, player's family section. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, I just don't, if you want the criteria for players that I'm going to hate, it's players that are in any sport. It's players that are aggressive without brain. They they need to have a brain if you're going to be aggressive. Some people say that Michael Jordan was similar to Russell Westbrook, but, man, he was efficient. He was damn efficient. <laughs> he, he was good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, you. if you're going to be this guy who just is like a bull with no thought, it's just so ugly, and I just can't – I could not stand him on my team. Thank God he's not. Um. yeah, Westbrook sucks. He didn't shake hands after the Lakers series. Everyone else did, apparently. Classic Westbrook.
1: Got in a fight with uh, Rondo's brother.
0: Yeah, he'll flare his nostrils and something, something. He'll talk to reporters, and I'm sure some people will love him still. And,
1: oh, what a what a guy. But the other thing that, about this series that I didn't get, and not about this series, just about Houston in general, is that they tra- made the trade for Westbrook this offseason things are going all right. And they're like, you know what? We're getting rid of Capella. We're going ultra small. And the reason they did that was because with five shooters on the floor, it's not for Harden. It's for Westbrook to get into those seams. Yeah. But when Westbrook's off the floor, you don't have to keep playing this micro ball. You could have had a big man there and they've completely negated that. they lost the rebounding in the series by 63 rebounds. So it's over 10 a game. Um just, quite astonishing really that that they didn't have a backup center. But then the other thing is that the Lakers shot 76.8% in the paint for the entire series, the highest ever percentage um, since it was started to be tracked in 2014. Like it was just so easy for the Lakers to do whatever they wanted. And I'm I'm just disappointed in Houston. <laughs> I would have liked a better series.
0: I don't even feel like I care or have time to talk about their future. James Harden says we're a piece away after the series, as I mentioned. I don't know. I, I just see them going into a whole bunch of nothing and then eventually maybe Harden's going to get either traded or asked to be traded to some sort of uh, Lakers. What's the, what was the Dwight Howard
1: Lakers original? 2013 Lakers they uh it was just after the Chris Paul trade got vetoed by David Stern um yes. so they've signed Dwight and Steve Nash Dwight was all right um but his shoulders and back were just cooked and then Nash was broken at that point um and they scraped in for the eighth seed pretty much thanks to Kobe but then he did his Achilles in like a few games to go so they got swept by the Spurs in the first round that's that's exactly the one I'm talking of.
0: And actually that's awesome that I I seem to bring that up because that's one thing we f- forgot to mention in our sort of um recap at the start. Steve Nash has been appointed the the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. How exciting. So, I've Steve Nash. Good on
1: him. He's going to be well he had 2 years at the Warriors with sort of player development. Um he's going to be an exceptional coach. He has an incredible basketball mind. Um I think in the top 10 offences of all time, he ran five of them. So I think he's going to get those Brooklyn Nets to the top of the East pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, so we will move on now to the Clippers and Nuggets. It is, as we stand, it is 3-3. Today, the Nuggets got up in game six. They came back from 16 again, 16 down again. They were 19 down at one point. Wow, there you go. And all I can say is... This is perfect timing. This is this podcast is the perfect timing for my my predictions because you know Clippers. I've had Clippers all year to win the championship, and also my Yarnas predictions. So the Clippers haven't been knocked out yet. <laughs> so we're here right before they may potentially get knocked out. It's good timing. All I can say is surely not. Surely this is not going to happen. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the amount of good players that the Clippers had that I've been raving about all year. Surely the Nuggets aren't doing this, JL. Oh, God, I hope so.
1: I just, I (laughs) wish. A few reasons. I've said before that I think the Clippers are the most unlikable team in the NBA at the moment. I also hope they get knocked out just because I want to see you eat your own words. But also, I am absolutely obsessed with Nikola Jokic. I think he's just an incredible basketball player. So for him and the Nuggets to pull this off, two 3-1 deficits in the playoffs, it will just be absolutely phenomenal.
0: And I was ready to charge on this podcast and say something around the words of, you cannot win a championship while Jokic is in the conversation of your best player. However, today in Game Six, and I still
1: sort of stick by it. I'm just sort well, of know. being a bit. Did cautious. you not see in the first round how well he played? That Game Seven, he was incredible. I think <laughs> he dropped thirty points, eight re, I don't know, fourteen rebounds, and six assists off memory. But he doesn't do
0: all this enough. This is the thing. So, for example, today I felt like it was one of the best games I've seen him have. I'm talking because of the meaning of the game because it's. Game six, elimination of second round of the playoffs. He's had better games stat wise, but he's thirty four points on his four of six made threes today, and he's fourteen rebounds, seven assists. I thought it was one of the best games I've ever seen him play, making me eat my not even said yet words of today. (laughs) Your pre planned words. If if you're going to be if you're a Nuggets fan thinking that he being your best player is going towards a championship. This is the Jokic. He needs to somehow miraculously make all these jump shots and especially the... Oh, sorry, he doesn't jump. But the <laughs> the the three-pointers that he made today were killers. They were absolute killers against the the Clippers and that's what they need from him for us to actually consider Denver
1: a team not just making up the numbers in the playoffs. Well, in his five elimination games so far in the playoffs, and I know the first round was the Murray and Mitchell show, for games six and seven, Murray wasn't, you know... Actually, no, game, game six, he was the Game seven. Um, game seven, he only chucked out like 14 or whatever it was. But in Jokic's five elimination games, just this playoffs, he's averaging 27.8, 10.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 55% from the field. He is, yep. without a doubt, a top 10 player in the league in my in my mind. Um, and I think this is it's about time we finally got to see him on full display.
0: Yes, he, he's got to do that. Um. And if he doesn't, I mean, we'll see after Game Seven. We'll see how I come on the pod next week. <laughs> so just on the other side of the ball, the uh, or on the other side of the court, the the Clippers, uh, they've let they were up three one. They've let the Nuggets come back f- to make it three three. Go on a Game Seven. I I think it's just as simple as like PG has started to warm up. It's it's happening for PG. Other than when he gets in foul trouble, which is just shocking. Him and Kawhi are basically doing all right. They're doing all right enough. Obviously, I, I expect a huge one from Kawhi in Game 7. Mm. But my sort of take is that it can't be this story of Kawhi and PG, uh, yeah, are uh, being the, the stars and then Montrez has five points you know, and Lou Will doesn't really get going and all these other pieces that they've built their title contender names off aren't getting it going. They need the help, the the two stars.
1: They're in a weird position here, the Clippers, because they've got Lou Williams and uh, Montrezl Harrell who were both in the running for six man of the year, even though that doesn't make any sense because you, <laughs> you can only have one six man. <laughs> but they're two guys that you know can chuck in 15 points. But when but they've always in the they're they're just both such awful defenders. There's no other way of saying it. And there's always yeah. been that trade-off. It's like, yeah, they're gonna get you 15, but they're also gonna the other team's gonna score 15. And it's like, well, there are times where it's gonna work and there are times where it doesn't. And in the playoffs, there's always that, mm, the other team's clearly targeting this player. Is it worth having them in the game? But when they're not even scoring. They are just completely useless. Um, And this goes with Shamit. And I know Reggie Jackson's not playing as much either, but his defense has been putrid. So when those guys are out there, the Nuggets are just, it's so easy for them to attack the Clippers. So um, I think that's going to be the the difference in game seven, uh, whether they can hold their own defensively. And yeah, like you said, if their role players step up, it should be the Clippers to win. But as we've seen, if... Murray gets going or if Jokic has one of those games, you
0: never know. So, let's make our predictions. We've got no basketball at all tomorrow. The day after that, we have Game 7, Denver Clippers, but we also have the beginning of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Boston Celtics against the Miami Heat. Take me through your biased... (laughs) Nah, (laughs) take me
1: through... If you, want, hap- if you want bias, I'll give you bias. Celtics in four. Celtics in four. Go <laughs> cool. No, nah, take me through it. Look, we've, so far in the season, the Celtics haven't had too much trouble with the heat, but we know the regular season means absolutely nothing. The Sixers beat the Celtics in the regular season 3-1, so <laughs> we know it means nothing. Um, but this matchup's going to be interesting because both teams play quite a similar brand of basketball in a way. It's a lot of ball movement and a lot of player movement. Um, the Celtics are more of a led by Kemba, Tatum and Brown. There's going to be three guys that are going to score with a few other guys chipping in, whereas Miami are going to have six or seven guys in double digits and it's going to be quite an even scoring load. Um, but we both know, and we all know that the Heat love shooting the three ball. Um, they were number seven in the league for three point field goal attempts and third in three point percentage. Um, and that trend is continued in the playoffs. But the Celtics are elite at shutting that down. They were number two during the regular season for opponents' three point field goal percentage and number one so far in the playoffs. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. So it sort of work. I think that's going to be the difference in the series. If Miami can still get those shots up, it's theirs to take. If the Celtics are pressuring those, those ball handlers and not letting them get those passes to the open shooters, Boston should run away with it. If you want a prediction... Oh, I really don't know, but um, <laughs> Celtics in four, <laughs> of course. Now I, I got a feeling, and I've, I said this is the reason I was picking the Celtics in the last round that guys who can go and get you a bucket will be the difference in the playoffs, and I think the Celtics have more bucket getters compared to Miami, so I'm going to go Boston and I'm going to go in six.
0: I it's I, I honestly just don't have a prediction for this one. It's, it's so, it's so it's, close to call. Yeah, I don't know what... I, it's not that I don't want to be wrong. I just don't know. It's it's as simple as, to quote Charles Barkley, whoever plays better <laughs> will win. Um, whoever's game plan works better will get it done. If, if the heat, like they did against the Bucs, if they keep finding ways to just get it off, with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic, if they can keep finding that three open, they'll get it done. Mm. And also, I reckon Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic, th- that sort of that sort of get your own bucket um, uh, cavalry that the Heat have, for me, is a bit more enticing than the Bucks, as good as Middleton is. But on the other side, the Celtics, if they if they lock it up, and I trust Brad Stevens to do so, Tatum and Kemba, especially Kemba, he's going to have a good series, I reckon. And yeah, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Take
1: your pick, basically. It's a, it's a flip it, it's of the coin for me.
0: Going to be very interesting. On to the other side, we have to try and give a, a bit of a guess. What do you think and who are the Lakers? Go- well, first off, Quick one, who are the Lakers is going to play Clippers-Nuggets and then tell me about how the Lakers versus Clippers or Nuggets is going to go.
1: I know you're going to say the Clippers, so I'm going to say the Nuggets for for argument's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that the the Clippers are quite weak in terms of their big man rotation, so I think Jokic in Game 7, he'll be the one to look out for. Um, but in terms of who the Lakers or how they'll match up with both teams, if the Nuggets do win, LeBron will be the difference in the series. I think he'll feast against the smaller defenders. Um, they'll probably throw someone like Gary Harris on him, but LeBron will, you know, they'll, they'll put Gary Harris on him, but LeBron will out outmuscle him comfortably. And then they can throw someone like Paul Millsap on him, but then we'll, LeBron's got the speed there. So I think that'll be the difference. Whereas AD and Jokic, will, that'll be so much fun to watch because they're both so different, but also so efficient in what they do. Um, yeah. Obviously, Jokic is just sort of that back to the basket, looking for cutters, throwing the passes. Whereas AD is a face up sort of player. Um, and then if the Clippers go through, it's the matchup everyone sort of expected and wanted all all season. LeBron yeah. versus Kawhi would just be such a good story because he's sort of the one at the moment trying to take his throne for best player in the league. Um, but then, like I said, the Clippers don't have that big man rotation, so who takes AD? But then on the other side of the coin, if, who, who slows down Kawhi and PG from the Lakers? So yeah, there's, there's no way of knowing. Um, but just because the Lakers are and they've shown so far that they've been more dominant, I'm going to say the Lakers will come out of the West.
0: The Lakers, for me, it's going to be the Clippers. <laughs> of course, it's going to be the Clippers. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll just mention that if it is the Nuggets, uh, I reckon AD will kill Jokic and LeBron will kill everyone else. Not because Jokic is bad, but one of his shortcomings is defense and being a bit slow, and I think AD will take advantage of that. And as good as the Nuggets' depth is, I just think it'll be AD and LeBron that'll just eat them up, basically. But my real prediction is that it'll be Lakers-Clippers. And as I've said all year, I think the Clippers will get over up in that one. I I think that... <laughs> This is this is a bit of a hot take, but... Oh, here we go. I think that AD is a bit overrated. This is not the right time to say it. This is the wrong time to say it. This, this is the wrong time to say it, but if we're going to talk about Lakers Clippers best of seven and you ask me why I'm leaning so Clippers, I think that AD is a bit overrated. So is PG, even by myself. But that AD is the difference maker in 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 that series, and he needs to be. So unless AD averages the highest he's ever averaged in a playoff series, and if that's low, I'm talking like
1: higher than he's ever averaged in his career or something yeah, so like that. I'm pretty that. sure AD has the third highest points per game ever in the playoffs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how much so, more we can do. So whatever that is, he needs to get higher than that.
0: He needs to destroy the Clippers and they're not even going to allow him to because of the way they're going to swarm him and just get under him. Kawhi is going to lock down, not lock down LeBron, but he's going to make LeBron uncomfortable. PG is going to look good
1: (laughs) on the side there. Anyway, time will tell. And I guess the good thing about that series is that we're finally going to be able to see what guys like PG and AD who have, got the reputation yes. as elite players but haven't gone this far in the playoffs we're finally going to see what you know this what cloth they're cut from as you said this is what the whole
0: year has been building to i'm i can't wait i really do hope and i'm sure the nba hopes that clippers come up against the lakers and wow what a series that's going to be and we'll have to see how it goes i feel like i know a lot of our fans love it but i feel like we have gone a bit long today so I think we might just leave it there instead of getting into the random
1: player debate. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon that's a that's a good idea. The players are getting tired. We're getting tired too. Um, <laughs> re- rest is valuable these times of the season, so we should make the most of it. Thanks, JL, for coming on again and it is, speaking. As long as the Celtics are winning, I'll always be here oh shit <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> I better start looking around then. Um, looking forward to game seven of the clippers and the nuggets and the start of the conference finals thanks JL. my pleasure we'll see you soon thanks again for listening to the bronx Cheer basketball show once again we're on any podcast app and if you are on apple podcasts or itunes don't forget to give us a review or a five-star rating really helps the show Go find us on social media, the Bronx Year Basketball, basically everywhere you look, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're going to be uploading our episodes every Tuesday now, Australian time, which is pretty much every Monday, American time. So make sure you subscribe and follow us on all those podcast apps. We'll talk to you next week.